Are we rolling? It is rolling, yeah, but we can start whenever. I just don't want to walk all the way over. I need to drink this red. Let's roll it. cross-training um maybe first thing we should do is what what is cross-training what does cross-training mean to you cody cross-training to me would be doing any activity that is not your main activity so yeah. in the sense of me personally right now this season i am a cyclist mm -hmm. so anything outside of the range of cycling i would consider cross-training yeah. however i've had five years experience as a triathlete so if i'm swimming or running i still wouldn't consider that cross-training mm -hmm. if i went hiking mountain climbing whitewater rafting or something, Yeah, I would consider all of those activities to be cross-training because I'm using different muscles other than the main set that I'm focused on for that season. Yeah. And I guess like similar movement patterns as well, right? Like mm -hmm. probably wouldn't consider like powerlifting good cross-training for cycling, for instance. I would see that as more accessory work. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, that's a, that's a good segue for later on in the program. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Given, sure. Do you have any experience? I know you've like me, you played a lot of different sports, yeah, stock, right? I mean, so. I mean, I didn't really think about it as cross training when I was playing all these sports, like in high school and yeah. stuff. Like, I play hockey as my main sport, but I never really referred to it as my main sport; it was just my favorite. Mm -hmm. And then I, I would always be playing at least two sports. Like, I'd be having hockey and then uh, volleyball through school or basketball, yeah. badminton, lacrosse, like just piles up, right? Like, just tons of sports that I was playing when I was going to high school. But I never really thought of it as cross training. But now I think about it more as, as cross-training it is, but I wouldn't have done it the same way that I did it back then, because mm -hmm. I was playing them at the same time, so like as a kid it wasn't a big deal because you're just playing to have fun, right, so yeah. it's not a big deal, but now as you get older and you focus on one, I wouldn't have played basketball at the time that I was playing hockey, I would play basketball you know, at a later time, yeah. right? Because the seasons are so similar, right? Yeah, yeah. Like they are, it's really similar, yeah. so I'd be playing them constantly together, yeah. so I'd go to, a, uh, I'd go to a basketball practice, pretty much burn my legs out mm -hmm. from running, and then go play hockey, which is a which is a different motion, but you're still using the leg muscles, yeah. right? So it's pretty recurrent that period. It was like I didn't really think about it back then because I didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like don't get tired. Oh, yeah, you have more, you have more yeah. energy. Yeah, when, when you're but, sixteen years old you're like, uh what I can do I can do I can work out seven times a day. Everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Plus like badminton's good for like a couple of days off school. That's why that why the battery yeah, no, that's the whole reason. We didn't win a single game. Oh though. yeah. We got, to go we, got, we got the award for most improved though. So. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I was in a similar situation. I did cross country for a very long time actually because I hate running, but it kind of forced me to run. And I needed a decent cardiovascular base yeah. for hockey because I was just saying like, hockey was my favorite sport, not necessarily the one I picked because I never actually specialized. But yeah, I always always do cross country every year, always hate it, yeah. and then always do it the next year because I <laughs> needed to force myself to run. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I was. I don't even think I ever signed up for cross country. I always just was forced to go. But oh, whoever yeah. was running the course, like it would just be like, like it wasn't f 
force. I guess I was just brought along. Yeah. It was just like, oh, we got cross country. You're decent. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, all right, go run the lap. Okay, that's yeah, sweet. That's kind of how the cross country was. <laughs> Like, all right. Yes. Two days off school. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was sweet. Could be worse. Yeah. So, so we established what cross training is. So, I guess accessory work is the is the next thing. We should probably define that as well. So, I think there's a couple of different definitions. There's a definition for strength athletes for sure. Yeah. But I think there's a different definition for endurance athletes. I know you touched on that a little bit, but like, what would you view as accessory to cycling or triathlon? Well, I don't know. I think it's pretty similar. In my mind, accessory work is just working on the little muscles yeah. that will benefit your main activity. So mm -hmm. if I'm using cycling as the example, yes, I'm cycling a lot, but say I go and do squats. I yeah. would still see squats as accessory work. Fair enough. Yes, I am still using the quads and all the leg muscles like I would be using cycling, but I'm using them in a different a set. Yeah. A different mindset. Like when I'm doing squats, I'm not thinking, oh, this is exactly like cycling. Yeah. So there's that different mentality as well, which I think uh, benefits the accessory work and it benefits your overall cycling performance as mm -hmm. a cyclist. Yeah, you're almost like trying to increase like your power output for that yeah. case where you're squatting. Yeah. Right, and then another big part of accessory work, I would like uh, core work mm -hmm. for me. Core work should be incorporated with any type of sport, I believe. I mean, your core is your foundation. That's yeah. where you're coming from, your balance, your stability. A lot of your strength is coming from the core, and yes, you get it in doing any of your your targeted sports, your focus sports. But if you can just singularly work on your core, so your front, your obliques, your back, yeah. this entire region, I think that's an accessory work to any activity. Yeah. Actually, it's interesting you say that because something like CrossFit or something like Olympic lifting, it's a lot of like straight up and down, like you're pulling something off the ground and putting it over your head, or you're just pulling something off the ground, or you're doing pull-ups, and there's not a lot of this. So a lot of CrossFitters, a lot of Olympic lifters have like super weak obliques. Right. So that's like a really important accessory work. And yeah, it's it's pretty similar, I guess, for, for strength athletes is you'll look at something like, oh, you know, I'm, I have a deadlift and I'm at this certain weight and I can't get any better. So I'm going to hit things in my posterior chain. I'm going to do more isolation stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to focus on getting my glutes stronger, getting my hamstrings stronger, that sort of thing. And, and, and yeah, it's, it works well. Like I, I recently managed to PR my deadlift by 15 pounds because I nice. focused a lot on my, my glute, but yeah. 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 Core work, I, I just talking about core work. Core work is actually just good for like anybody in general, mm -hmm. even if you're not even an athlete. Just having a strong core is just going to help you get through the day a lot easier yeah. too. Like I know it's sexy. Yeah, plus, yeah, <laughs> plus everyone loves it. Oh. Got that six pack. <laughs> uh, but like just taking the train, I take the train to school like three days a week. Yeah. And, uh, the amount of people that, that if they're not holding on to something, if the train moves like a centimeter, yeah. they have no strength whatsoever. Stability. They're gone. Like yeah. they're launched off the train. <laughs> they're done. Yeah. Right? But like if you have like a semi decent amount of core strength, yeah. you can kind of, you know, I mean, the tr people, not a lot of people ride a train, so it's not really the greatest it's example. It's a fucking but, metal train. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the train moves, a lot of people die. You know, Calgary Transit, <laughs> their, their whole goal is to strengthen your core. So like because the Hunger Games? They are constantly stopping <laughs> every <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like if you sit on Calgary Transit like this and just work your core while they're trying to move you, it's such a good workout. Not even have to go to the gym. I mean, you look like an idiot because you're just in the middle of all these people, like <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence is shooting arrows. Yeah, trains you going by. Yeah, and you catch them. And yeah. Press on. Exactly. Do stuff yeah. With them. Yeah. Super Darwinian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, bringing it back, even like 
to take a cycling example, Greg Lamont. Mm -hmm. When he was cycling, he was one of the best cyclists out there. He realized the importance of accessory work early on. So while everyone, everyone was just cycling up and down hills to get their heart, their engine to be optimal, he yeah. was also in the gym training, mm -hmm. doing the accessory work, doing the squats, the obliques, the core, even a little bit of upper body. Even though it's a running joke in cycling, like you want to have the tiniest upper body because you're just holding your body up, your legs, your guns, and <laughs> do everything else. But on the opposite side of it, you have a muscular frame. You can actually pull up on the bike to push down harder. I feel like your bike shorts better too. Yeah. <laughs> so accessory work, even at the highest level, going way far back. Yeah. It's been recognized and approved mm -hmm. to yeah. a high degree. Yeah, that's a good point, and that's especially for like I guess in the case of like a lot of people probably follow like block programming. Like you'll have twenty athletes following the exact same programming, and uh, unless you want like your genetics to determine how well you do, if everyone's doing the same program, yeah. and they're like, well, I can do a little bit of accessory work, and that'll put me like five percent above everybody else. Maybe it's worth doing if you really want to love your sport. Yeah. It's five percent when you're already at a high performing level. That's that's a big percentage, yeah. Absolutely. But touching on the, the core stuff just in general for all the people dying on Calgary Transit every day. <laughs> Calgary Transit, please don't don't Calgary Transit is actually pretty good. Um, but yeah, just even in terms of that, for like living your life day to day or just using it as injury prevention, because I know um, I do a lot of horizontal pulling, so I'll do a lot of bent over rows or a lot of ring rows. Use CrossFit super heavy and like doing tons of pull-ups. So like doing this all the time is really bad for your shoulder joint if you never do any other kind of pulling because you're strengthening certain muscles around, especially the rotator cuff or just the shoulder shoulder joint in general. And then you see a bunch of CrossFitters that have like just destroyed shoulders because they never focus on like oh I should maybe be look at like other muscles in my back and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> with swimming, the amount of pull-ups I've been doing is is, is unbelievable. <laughs> like up my swimming to six days a week and my shoulders feel it and I'm still doing like three to four days where I'm doing wide grip pull-ups yeah like just tons of shoulder work tons of backwards upper backwards mm -hmm. and I'm starting to notice that um, like I have a bad back in general which I'm trying to fix but I'm starting to notice that my lower back is starting to take a huge toll on oh, that and strengthening my lower back is now kind of a, a necessity because my, my upper back is taking so much pressure, I yeah. guess, it's, it's almost like pushing down on my lower back, because everything's connected in your back, right? For sure. If you start screwing up with your upper back, lower back's going to have to do something to compensate. Yeah. So well, that's kind of Your, your strongest muscles are just going to take over, exactly. even, if it's, even if like other muscle groups should be getting in there, but you're like, oh, I can just muscle my way through this, and yeah. just completely anatomically. And there's a, there's a type of um, activation technique, I think it's muscular activation technique, mat, mat training or something like that, um, my dad does, and their whole philosophy is uh, if you're if you're experiencing injuries, it's because you're not using the right muscles during during your activity. So, mm -hmm. um, so say you have really strong quads but not very strong hamstrings, yeah. right? Your quad muscles are going to try to take over whenever your hamstrings yeah. can't, right? There goes so that screws you up hard because you're like, yeah, exactly. Your knee's gone. That's actually one of the reasons why IT band syndrome is such a big issue because yeah. people's people's muscles aren't working properly so other muscles are trying to counteract it to, yeah. to save you right sure. but then they blow up and they're, they're overloaded right? absolutely 
But accessory work does help with that because then you can actually target that muscle to try mm -hmm. to strengthen it, activate it. It's, it's mainly about activation with tough stuff like that is because yeah. you've never actually activated those muscles while doing it, so your muscles yeah. don't know how to work like that. Absolutely. So if you start to single them out, then you can kind of wake them up almost, yeah. right? Get them working. It's funny you say that too because I, I noticed like squatting especially, there's actually like a big difference between men and women. Like men tend to be a lot more like glute and hamstring dominant, whereas most women tend to be more quad dominant. So like you'll even see like, um, really, really fit women. They have huge quadriceps, but they have flat hamstrings because they've never used it. Yeah. And they could probably add 50 pounds to their back squat if they use their hamstring yeah, and sure. also avoid knee injuries. But and same with same with the guys, probably stand huge quads a little bit yeah. more, and, and that's something you need to work on. But definitely, yeah. So that went hand in hand with our next point of accessory work and its place in injury prevention. Mm -hmm. So I think we touched on that and how it can help with back, knee. Uh, the small muscles that don't actually get used a lot in our core sure. workouts and how accessory work will supplement that and prevent those injuries. Yeah, yeah. and I guess it's important to be mindful of it too because you can be doing something be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine. But I actually have found it's a really good resource to just like take a video of yourself every now and again and all of a sudden you see like, oh, I'm actually pulling with my back. I'm not using my legs at all. Why, why does that happen? Yeah, that's a huge yeah. help. Yeah. Slowing, slowing down your workouts as well, um, like especially on like big core workouts mm -hmm. or like like the squat and the deadlift and stuff like that. If you're not if you're not pulling with the right, you just couldn't shut it off. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. If you're not if you're not uh, if you're doing it quickly, like you do it every day, every every day you do like a squat, right? Yeah. You're you're not changing anything up. You just do it kind of how you feel like it works and it's working, but you're not really noticing a difference, or you're noticing you're getting injured. Um, slow it, like slow it right down, and start just really focusing on what muscles are being mm -hmm. used while you do it. And you're really gonna be able to find which ones aren't working. Well, that's what you want to know. Yeah. When yeah. you slow down, you can really feel that's what you, muscles yeah. being used. Yeah. That's what you want to know is which ones aren't working. So you can help prevent your injuries, strengthen those muscles, at, like activate them. Yeah. Well, know. it always pays back. Pays to go back to basics too, and, yeah. and just try things out because yeah, your technique is going to break down over time. Yeah. So it's good to go back to the very basic fundamentals, yeah. even though it's always nice to work on technique, yeah. even if you are one of the elite like for sure athletes yeah. in the world. But, and people that aren't necessarily elite athletes, are like oh, I don't need to do that. Yeah. Like I, I got it good. And yeah. Well, yeah, but you know, you probably would be a lot better if you. Didn't have such a big ego when you went back to the basics <laughs> once in a while. So talking about elite athletes and their performance, so the next point that we do want to touch on is accessory work to improve the weak spots mm -hmm. in performance. So this is talking about the almost elite athletes to the high-performing athletes because yeah. they are really focused on performance. Absolutely. So how can accessory work help those weak spots? I know we've touched on it a lot. But yeah, I, I guess like looking at the muscle imbalances for sure. I've always kind of looked at it from the lens as well of if you prevent injury then that's more training session per year right mm -hmm. so if, if you let's say had a quad hamstring imbalance and you never addressed it one day you squat and blow it a hamstring you're not going to be training for the next six to eight weeks there is no performance yeah <laughs> exactly you lost, lost that time basically for sure so many so many high level athletes really you're just they're able to perform at a high level and not get injured for a longer period of time than other people and they just get the training volume in. Yeah. So something as simple as that, if you can save yourself from missing like six or seven training sessions a year, that's six or seven more training sessions than you would have gotten, and maybe six or seven more than you got than yeah. your nearest competitor. Those, those are the people that end up on top every single time, like Xavier mm -hmm. Gomez. Yeah, he's never hurt. 
and you never hurt mm -hmm. and that's why he can stay on top he's consistent because of it whereas you get someone else who goes out they're very good at their, they might even beat Xavier Gomez sometimes but they get injured yeah so we actually never know if they can exactly. because there's just no consistency which could be from you do, imbalances for people who do follow like ITU racing, um, like the Brownleys are an amazing example of that. The Brownleys, uh, Alistair Brownlee can run the fastest 10K, and he's clocked at like 28-something. Good God, like yeah. 10K off the bike. He's in the Olympics for triathlon. And he run a 28-10K off the bike. Like, that's insane. That's right? terrible. <laughs> but he, and he can beat, he can beat Gomez on his best day, right? Yeah. But he and his brother are constantly getting injured. Like last year, I think they got injured like two or three times within a year. Do they just like have brother fights? Yeah, just another <laughs> <they're laughs> brother. <laughs> 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 but yeah, like Gomez, he works on himself, so he works on not getting injured, mm -hmm. and then he's constantly racing. Like he he doesn't miss a very many races based on injuries. Yeah. So he's constantly winning, racking up those points. Sure, the people might beat him in a day. Like one day, someone might be better. Like Richard Murray's a really good example of that. Some days, Richard Murray is better that day. Frodo, but <laughs> he's man. He is man. Uh, but yeah, like it's just the consistency of not being injured that that I think Kelly Gomez uses to his advantage. Um, but another thing, not really about injury, but about performance. Uh, a specific example would be myself. I was always a terrible runner. Mm -hmm. When I got a triathlon, running was always my worst, my weakest. And uh, my coach trial noticed that it was a lot of my glute strength. I yeah. just didn't have a lot of glute strength. So my kickback wasn't very high. I wasn't using all my hamstrings while running. So I wasn't really properly running. So I started doing a ton of glute bridges. Like, oh. Kyle, if you're watching this, the amount of glute bridges I've done for like the last year is unbelievable. Give her a little, little taste of DOS booty. Can we get a glute bridge in here? It's not, it won't show oh, it. <laughs> show that DOS booty. Oh, here we go. For those of you only listening, right now, the dog is... Yeah, anyway, strengthening my glutes over Good the years glute has, like, has increased my performance in running immensely. Oh, yeah. Like, I haven't done much other training. I've done weight training, like uh, squats and, you know, like all the normal weight training that you would do. But the glute bridge thing mm -hmm. was completely new to me, like strengthening my glutes that way. Yeah. It was completely new to me. So, like, just, just focusing on one muscle actually increased my run time from doing, like, 24 minute 5Ks to almost sub 25 oh, yeah. in like a year. That's yeah. straight up accessory. Which is work. huge. Sure. Yeah. So I guess this kind of leads into something else. How often do you guys use accessory work on a week to week basis and what are your favorite accessory movements? Uh, me specifically, usually in the start, start of the training season, it'll be three to four times in the gym yeah. where it's mainly focused on accessory work. Okay. And then as an endurance athlete, it starts to dwindle down, which we can talk about a little later on. Mm -hmm. It's a teaser. It is a teaser. <laughs> Foreshadow. Foreshadow. Go <laughs> pick a bait. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so three to four times in the gym, and it's the same basic movement. So as Eric was saying before, again, I'll go back to triathlon, because that's where I've been for most of my life. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be the squats, the uh, wide grip, lat, pull downs push-ups, sit-ups, glute bridges, the whole shebang, trying to hit every little muscle that I wouldn't necessarily hit while swimming, biking, or running. Yeah. And then as we keep going further into the season and getting closer to the races, it might drop down to one day a week of accessory work, and as we get very close, no days. Yeah, because, I mean, 
Concussive work is really great, but weight training can actually injure you as an endurance athlete. Mm -hmm. You don't need that. You don't need to put that much pressure on your muscles when you're doing that amount because the amount of the amount more of endurance work you do builds as the season as your training season yeah. goes on. So then the amount of um, weight training you do reduces, right? So you're mm -hmm. not constantly destroying yourself, um, <laughs> which is a fun thing to do. But God, uh, yes. yeah, it's the same for me. Like I do right now, I'm doing four days a week of weight training. Yeah. And I guess for triathletes, accessory work is basically just weight training. Yeah. I mean, you're doing it. it you're doing basically four sports, right? Mm -hmm. You're doing weight training, swimming, biking, and running. Yeah. Right. So then you you obviously get rid of one when you start getting closer to races, but running. Yeah, running. You're in the running. Yeah. You just bite the rest of it. Just do curls. You gotta get off. No, I'm just gonna. Get I guess some other accessory work that we do within those sports, because yes, we do draw the weight training eventually, but the other accessory work would be like using paddles and kickboards. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for, for sure. swimming, an accessory work that we might be doing is putting paddles on the hand so that you have a wider platform. Mm -hmm. You feel the pull all the way back. It's a, it's much more of a workout than not using it at all. Yeah. And that would be the accessory work going into your race period. So right now, Definitely. I know you're using a lot of paddles yeah, and equipment. Oh, yeah. And as you get closer, I can almost guarantee you're going to drop those paddles almost completely and just go right into form and technique. But right now, well, yeah, right, that'd be your accessory. Right now, since it's it's well, I would it's not really off season anymore. But um, right now, it's it's a lot of like skill work. So tons of tons of drills and stuff like that so like the bike the run the swim we're not doing a lot of distance i mean the swim we do distance but it's all over a certain amount of drills right yeah. swimming i think is one of the best swimming and running i would say are the best for accessory work that way because i mean running you can work on drills like yeah. sprints and um, a, a hops and stuff like that like all the all the small drills you can do yeah swimming has way too many drills we've done so many <laughs> <It's ridiculous>. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean yeah accessory work uh, inside of your own sport, yeah, has actually helped me quite a bit. I mean, it's actually it's actually kind of interesting because you guys, your accessory works almost like a second entree. It's kind of like yeah, yeah. Whereas like mine's kind of almost like a laptizer throwing the meal because yeah. yeah, like you'll do weight training four days a week before you get into competition season. Mine is, I'll I'll do like a strength training session and a conditioning session every day, um, and then at the end of each of those sessions, I'll do five or ten minutes. Of some kind of accessory work, yeah. So if I'm targeting like horizontal pulling, so I'll do a few sets of bent over rows, or I try every every week to do maybe about a kilometer of lunges, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I also kind of look at like I do a little bit of cross training in that I'll run a half marathon usually sometime in the fall, yeah. and then a couple obstacle races right before I start my three months heavy cycle before I before I start my competition yeah. season, but. Yeah, it is interesting because that's you guys do a significant amount more of accessory work, whereas I like kind of space mine out. But yeah, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, a lot of like a majority of our training is accessory work. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not necessarily a good way to train to just constantly hit your distances. For I mean, sure. I'm not gonna go like my main distance for the run is 10k. I'm not gonna go and run 10k six times a week. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Like my runs might be like seven to 14 to, yeah. to 18k, right? But just like a different type of run. Absolutely. Integrated in, into it, so I'm not constantly doing just a like a static workout. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going into the pool and swimming 2,000 meters straight. Yeah. I'm gonna throw some drills in, For right? Sure. And I'm gonna get to like 3,000 or 4,000 meters. Absolutely. So it's, I mean, it, it, yeah, I guess if you think about it that way, triathletes use accessory work almost all the time. Yeah. 
in like inside of there. It's almost integrated into their training. Yeah. Their I think the difference is that we don't call it accessory work. No, it's, so just, like, it's just drills. <laughs> a lot of a lot of the reading that I did to prepare for this podcast. Yeah. When you type accessory work into say any search engine, yeah, you're almost like ninety percent certain you're gonna go to a CrossFit page. Oh yeah. Before anywhere else. For sure, CrossFit or Oli or powerlifting or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So when it comes to endurance athletes and those types of sports, we just call them drills. Yeah, you don't really think about it, I guess. Yeah, and that's fair. And I guess like, I guess it kind of depends on the, um, I guess the demands of the sport, right? Because you you know that you're gonna be running this distance, you're gonna be swimming this distance, you're gonna be biking that distance. For instance, whereas like for CrossFit. I don't know, it could be anything, like, yeah. you have to eat pancakes for time. So you have to be way yeah. more yeah. <laughs> <laughs> eat pancakes for time. <laughs> Get your macros? Oh, God, that would be great. <laughs> Get your macros, Denver? Yeah. <laughs> we, sc- we, we scratch the deadlift, and we're going to be yeah. eating pancakes for this thing. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. I, 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 one day, I hope there's an eating contest in the competition. <laughs> I will game. kill it. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is interesting, though, to me, like, especially because the sports are a little more disparate, just the differences in... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's nice because we 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 kind of like we it's almost like night and day mm-hmm. between the sports, right? Like endurance and strength. And not the shitty Tom Cruise movie, but actually, yeah, <laughs> not <the> shitty <laughs> Tom Cruise. So this is going to go into the next debate between us, I believe, between the endurance athletes and the strength athletes. Yeah, it's should you do accessory work or should you use the time to rest for main training sessions? Alright, and let let's since we've just clarified basically that accessory work for triathletes are like yeah. integrated in. Um, for I'm going to refer to accessory work as weight training. Yeah, all right. I agree with that because it's it, it, that's more of what that's more comparable. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, I say for a strength athlete, it really depends. I would veer more towards the side that you should be doing accessory work and you should be doing it often, like three or four times a week, depending on the amount of training volume that you're doing. And that is because I think it's important for injury prevention. Number one and number two, you're going to be hitting plateaus with your lifts. And the best way to overcome a plateau is not necessarily to lift more at the exact same weight, but target some of your weak points. That being said, as you get up to a competition, like probably two or three weeks out, you should start tapering some of your work. I would, myself, I would not get rid of as much accessory work. I would, I would go off a little bit. Like if I'm working some accessory work four times, four days a week, I'd probably go down to two days a week. But I would also cut down my regular training volume as well, because that rest is going to serve you better going into the competition. But I wouldn't wholesale just get rid of all of my accessory work prior to a competition, because I think that maintenance of some of my weaker muscle groups, yeah, I think that's very important. Yeah, I think it depends for triathlon as well. Mm -hmm. Um, A little bit differently, though. I would say accessory work is definitely key in the off-season and during, during your, like, building of the bases. I don't know. Not not every not every triathlete uses the base phases, but I I'd, I'd say if you if you're familiar with it, what is base work phase? is <laughs> it's happening right now, bro. <laughs> it's right now. Base <laughs> one. Uh, We're in base season. <laughs> basically, it's 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 like building the base. You're yeah. you're building your base that you're gonna use to go into your into your build session. Your mm-hmm. build session. Your foundation. Yeah. So, so if you're like your heart to yeah. get it up to the, a certain level, so that you build on top of that. Yeah. So if you think about it as like a, as you're building a house, the mm-hmm. base phase is your concrete base, right? Yeah. And then so you get that foundation so that you can basically push yourself through these other workouts that are coming up. 
So you can, once you have the base, you move on to your build phase and you build up the house and you get like everything ready yeah. for your race. And then once you get the race, it's like you open your house, your house is ready. <laughs> but so it, yeah. For the most part, for the endurance athletes, like Eric was saying, the base would be like your aerobic threshold. So okay, you yeah. kind of build your heart, your main engine and your muscles. Mm -hmm to hit that certain aerobic level and try to build that aerobic level as high as possible so that when you do your anaerobic and your, say like plyometrics or whatever, something really high intensity, you have something to fall back on, but this is already a higher level than it was last year. Okay. Because you just keep building yourself up. And that's yeah. why when it comes to endurance athletes, it's usually the older athletes that mm -hmm. are performing so well. Like that. Okay. Yeah, and that's, that's also like, just kind of off topic, but um, triathletes, uh, they don't peak until they're in their 30s usually. Yeah. Like that's kind of when they peak. It's because they built up that base for so long. That makes sense. Yeah. It takes them forever to get that base mm -hmm. up there. And it also, when you when you have a higher base, it's also easier to get back into shape. Yeah. So a lot of the pro triathletes right now, they're in their like 30s and 40s. Well, not really that 40s, but like in their 30s. Frodo! <laughs> they're, uh, they have a lot easier time stopping yeah. and then getting right back into it. So like Pretty if a pro triathlete who has been doing it for like 20, 25 years, um, was to stop for two months and not work out at all. Yeah, it would take them so much quicker time mm -hmm. than anyone else to get back into shape. For sure, because they already have that base built, right? Yeah, and it's hard. It's hard because it takes a long time to get that base built, and that's yeah. why you don't peak until you're in your thirties. That's what they say. Yeah, so we we just wanted to uh, apologize um, for the choppiness of this video. Our camera shut off, but we're gonna finish the video now. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, basically, I didn't really talk about. The final topic, but um, so accessory work or taking the days off for mm -hmm. triathletes or endurance athletes. Um, <clears throat> I would say it depends definitely on when, when you are in your training season. I would say definitely use accessory work as weight training uh, leading up to your race, but I would probably usually stop or at least minimize the amount I'm doing yeah. a month or two away from a race, and then I would start using that as recovery, mm. um, especially for endurance sports and for most sports really. Um, the last the last two weeks to a month are almost as crucial as the entire training block. Mm -hmm. um, you're not going to gain any training in that in, the, in those two weeks. You can really fuck it up. But you can really <laughs> fuck it up. So really, really for for endurance athletes and for myself, I would say minimize um, in accessory work at mm -hmm. that point because you're not going to gain fitness. You're not. Yeah. It's it's not going to work if you if you try to if you try to cram two weeks of accessory work because you've been slacking. And you try to cram it in right before you're just going to ruin yourself you, you can get bigger you biceps you I, mean, yeah. I mean what price would you put on <laughs> all the best athletes have this is what matters most yeah right there <laughs> winning that's winning right there my cody's accessory work is just him in the gym just bicep curls. <laughs> how long have been here two hours <laughs> bicep curls. <laughs> I used to do that's how i started becoming an athlete oh, yeah. that's, that's something else. actually i have a uh, like a small accessory work circuit that I do now that's just tricep pull downs and hammer curls. I'll do like <laughs> once a week. Our notes. Yeah, well you need you need like fairly strong like strong biceps and strong triceps help with pushing and pulling, like pull ups and and uh, and like push jerks and stuff. And it's great. It makes me feel like I'm thirteen years old again and I'm I'm like going going to the school dance, just like making my arms big. Maybe <laughs> the pump. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at all the best athletes in the world, they all have huge biceps. That's For true. no reason at all. Tiger Woods. Massive yeah. biceps. He's a golfer, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's, that's true. He's holding it. What? He's just in the gym with like two pounds golf clubs. He's doing one of these. He's just using the balls. 
And he's too jacked to be a golfer. I know. <laughs> most, golfers are, most golfers are fat or like really, really small and yeah. skinny. But like Macro is just a tiny little guy. Yeah, John Daly's just a fat yeah. piece of shit. Yeah, exactly. And then you got Tiger Woods, who looks like he could be a fucking linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was in the wrong sport. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not too late to switch. Tiger could, Tiger could do something else. He's probably taking powerlifting. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Going to bodybuilding shows or something. Yeah, like there we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Sounds good. So, yeah, I think that was the the last thing on our list to cover today for accessory work. Mm-hmm. The accessory work podcast. Absolutely. So we hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, if you have any questions, comments, what's your favorite kind of accessory work? What what do you do for your training? Uh, leave a comment below. And let us know what you think. And if you want to reach us, have any other questions for us, email us at wearehumanpowered at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. Stay, Stay powerful. powerful. I didn't say it. I just looked like an idiot.